Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do, and then not do it. Wow, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, awesome. Appreciate Pastor Kyle's uh, interpretive reading there. That was great. <laughs> was, so, um, I, the rice or noodles, does anybody actually eat dry rice? I, no, no hands. Okay, good, because that was weird to me. I did grow up like, eating the noodles. My mom would give them to me when she was making spaghetti. Like, that's normal to me. But that actually makes me think about like, grocery shopping. How many people like to grocery shop? Anybody? There's a few of you out there. I don't. Right? I come from a big family, so when we went grocery shopping, it was like, we'd go in, it was bright outside, we'd leave, it was dark. Like, what happened? <laughs> what happened? So we spent hours there shopping for nine people. And in addition, like, like, when we were with my dad, my dad was a bit of a chatter, so he would go and he would talk to everyone, whether he knew them or not, which just made the process longer, and there was one more thing that just made it drag on, and this bothers me even to this day, and that is uh, people that are just indecisive about what they want. And those indecisive people end up plopping themselves right down in front of what you're trying to buy, right? They are, they're, they're coupon shopping. They have their binder. Now Giant has this really cool app that you can scroll through all the things. Sorry if I'm offending anybody. You can scroll through all the things. And it's like they're Cheerios, right? Whether you get Cheerios in this box or that, they're still Cheerios, right? So indecisiveness. They can't make a decision. So the conversation that I wanted to start with this morning is about decision-making. I know. Hold on to your, your shares. I know it's exciting. Decision-making, right? So how do we make decisions? What are the things that we process? What are the things that we take in when we're talking about much more important things about than, than grocery shopping, right? Our, our plans, our future, our family, our career. Like, what are we going to do when we grow up? I'm still trying to figure that one out. But what are some things I was curious to know from you guys, what, and you can yell them out. What are some things that you do when you're faced with making a really tough decision? Worry, Okay. Pray. I heard something over here. Ignore it. I like that. <laughs> Pros and cons. Love it. Ask for advice. One more. Somebody give me one more. Nobody else makes decisions. That's okay. What'd you say? Oh, shake the magic eight ball. All right. All right. That gives me a lot of confidence in the direction of our church, Pastor Sean. <laughs> All right, so things that I came up with, uh, you guys said most of them. Get advice from others, weigh pros and cons, consider financial implications, and, and pray, right? These are the things that we use to ultimately make our decisions. So and then, then I started thinking, okay, we've made a decision, but now what? What do we do to kind of fill, fulfill that decision and, and figure out what we're going to do next? And if you're like me, if you know me, I'm not the most detail-oriented person, right? I'm the guy that thinks big picture, like I want to go to the moon, but I take somebody to tap me on the shoulder and say, Sean, we like... We don't have a rocket ship, like anything. How are we going to get there, right? So I'm, that's me. That's, that's how I operate. So when I make a decision, I really have to be, be direct and, and, and make a process for myself to make a plan, 
right? And I, so I have this process. Generally what it is is when I make a big decision like that, I develop some sort of like mission or vision statement that I can kind of direct myself towards. And in doing that, then I, I come up with like five or 10 steps, depending on how big it is, five or 10 steps that I need to take to reach that goal. How many of you guys are like listers? Like you like to check things. Doesn't that feel great? Like I checked that off the list, right? I didn't used to be that, but I've in re- recently started seeing the value in making lists and just how good it feels. Like, done, yes, right? So I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And I've, I've come up, once I have that mission statement and these five to 10 steps that I'm going to take to figure out how I'm going to get there, I sink into this almost like ritual to become uh, laser focused on accomplishing these steps, right? Like I have to get this done. I have to fin- meet this deadline. I have to finish this because I think of them of the like stepping stones that I'm going to take to live out this decision that I've made. And this, this process that I've developed, it's kind of helped me stay focused. It helps me reach my goals. It helps me get things done, right? So there's a lot of positives to it, but there is a flip side to this, right? There is a downside. And that is when I get too hyper-focused on completing these tasks and checking those things off the list and justifying the decision that I make, I look up from my checklist and realize life is happening all around me and I missed out on all of it, right? When I get too focused on stuff at work and things that I'm trying to accomplish at work, I look up and realize, like, I'm not paying enough attention to my wife and kids. Like, stuff's happening around me and I'm just missing out on it. And when I do that, I, I come to this realization of like, man, I'm just, I'm not allowing my plans to work in harmony with the rest of my life to the point where anything that isn't directly related to my list, my checklist, and that vision that I've developed, is just a distraction for me. It's an unhealthy place to be. And, and, and there's another extreme also, and it, like, from going to that unhealthy extreme to this unhealthy extreme, and that is being in a place where there is no playing at all, right? How many of you guys are like that? Like, I really want to get there, but I just, I hope it happens, right? Like, that's the other extreme, and I think if I hadn't, like, thought about this and developed this process for me, I'd probably land there, right? There's no thought process for accomplishing anything, and life becomes kind of like this hamster wheel of setting goals but not really doing anything to accomplish it. And these are both really dangerous kind of traps that we can fall into, and they become problematic because they don't allow for God to be part of the equation in a meaningful way, right? If we get this laser focus on tasks and stuff like that, we're trying to do it all ourselves. We're trying to get it done. We're going to finish this, and we don't take the time to say, God, like, where are you in this? And if we're not doing anything, if we're not just, okay, I have a goal that I, I kind of came up with, and hopefully it happens, we're not allowing God to lead us. We're not allowing God to direct our steps in that way. So we can plan as little as or as much as we want, but if God isn't involved, it doesn't allow him to use us to the fullest extent that he wants to. And today we're going to see that if we let him, God's going to do a couple of things. He's going to step into our decision-making and planning, and he's going to help us draw this balance that we need to make plans the way that he wants us to and still allow room for him to move and call us in accordance to his will and be able to respond to that. So in this book of of James that we've been going through all summer, it's been awesome. We've seen all kinds of wisdom and heard all kinds of wisdom shared with us about being a follower of Jesus and what that looks like and how James and God think that that should be in our lives. And we've seen all this advice about how how to live the best life that God wants for us. And we've been confronted with these this or that, this not that kind of conversations and decisions that we have to make. And today's, that decision is, are we going to plan for today? We're going to plan for tomorrow, right? We're going to plan for today or plan for tomorrow. And James is going to help us to choose not to miss out on the life that you have today 
for the sake of the life that you hope to have later. I'll say that again. James is going to help us to miss out, help us not to miss out on the life that you have today for the sake of the life that you hope to have later. And we're going to learn that as people of faith, right, we should hold our plans loosely enough, right, not keep a firm grip on them like I'm going to do it my way, hold our plans loosely enough that we can pay attention to God's invitations and, and have some flexibility in those plans that we can respond when God calls. Right, and we're going we're gonna to look at today's verse right now. It's this James 4, 13 through 17. You heard Pastor Kyle re- read it, but I'm going to just, just read it back to you. It's in your outlines. It's going to be up on the screens as well. If you have your Bible, your Bible app, James 4, 13 through 17. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why do you even know what will, why do you even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast or brag. All such boasting is evil, and anyone then who knows the good he ought to do doesn't do it, and doesn't do it since. So James is going to challenge us in this passage to live a responsive faith as we plan for now and not for forever. And this is going to drive some of you crazy. Right? It's going to drive you. Some of you are crazy because you love to hold tightly onto those plans. You love the control that that gives you. How many of you guys are the planners of vacations in your family? Anybody? There's a couple of you. It's not me, I promise. Karina's looking at me like, you better not say. Karina is outstanding at planning vacations. We're going to Myrtle Beach in a couple of weeks. She already probably knows like, how she's going to pack the car, where we're going to stop, when we're allowed to go to the bathroom, like those kinds of things. So she has all that planned out so I know, know exactly how to respond and what to do as we drive to South Carolina. She took the kids to Florida a few weeks ago. Like she had their fast passes scheduled in like 2015, I think. So like she has it all planned out. But, and I appreciate it because I, for, if it was up to me, like I'm the kind of person, like I packed the night before and hope that I didn't forget my toothbrush. Like that's, that's how I am. But planning vacations in this way is great, right? It's almost, it's almost a borderline necessity because the Karina's philosophy is if I show up and try to figure out once I'm there, we're going to spend all of our time waiting in lines and things like that, and it's not going to be fun, right? So if I can plan it ahead of time and we can make the most out of our experience. So vacation planning like that is phenomenal, and she's awesome at it, and, and God bless her, I'm not going to do it. But, <laughs> but the problem is that we oftentimes, we start applying this rigid type of planning to the other areas of our life. Right? We apply this rigid type of plan, and we hold on to that control and those plans and apply that in different parts of our lives, and we become too focused on the outcome. Right? We have this outcome in mind, and we can't budge from it. Right? Karina's flexible enough in our vacation plan that if she gets thrown a curveball, we can, we can adapt and we can overcome. But when we apply this to like our future goals, we hold on like, no, I'm not going to change from this. I'm not going to let God do anything. I'm not going to change at all. This is what it's going to be doesn't allow for any margin or flexibility within that plan that you've come up with. And this leads to a mentality that we have, we have in some way stumbled onto this magic like potion that nobody else has, that I have the magic formula for success, so I'm not going to change this at all. Nobody else can know about it, and this is just mine. I'm going to control this. This is mine. And when we take that mentality, we become too stubborn to allow God to be involved in the planning process, involved in our lives, and because of that, we miss this whole message of what James is going to tell us. If you want to dig out your outlines, it's going to be our first point uh, here in verse 13 and 14. That point is we plan for now, not for, not for forever, when we let God's desires 
determine our outcomes. We plan for now, not for forever, when we let God's desires determine our outlines. Again, James 4, 13 through 14. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll, we'll go to this city or that, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So a little context here. James is telling a bit of a story, right? And he's really good at this. He, he, he loves telling these stories and kind of hitting us overhead with a point which we're going to get to here in a minute. But he's telling a story about some businessmen who have this plan. They devise this plan to make some money. And when you just kind of read like the, the high-level bullet points of what their plans are, it doesn't seem like evil or bad or anything like that, right? They're going to travel to a city. They're going to stay for about a year. They're going to do business. They're going to make some money, right? Nothing inherently bad about those decisions. But um, James does have a problem. And as James does, he's, he, he's going to hit us over the head here, right? Verse, verse 14, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. What he's basically asking, he said, you have all these great plans and that's awesome, but he's asking, how can you plan as if you already know what the future is going to hold? How can you plan as if you already know what the future is going to hold? There's only one person that can actually do that, God. And from what I'm reading, you haven't involved him in that decision-making process, right? You have these three awesome steps, but nowhere did you say, God, what do you think about this? God, where are you in this plan that I have? Right? He's pointing out that when we make plans and already have the, the, the outcome determined in our own mind, we're kind of predicting the future. Right? We're trying to say, like, this is what it's going to be. I know it. I know it's going to be true. And there's nothing wrong with making plans. Please don't take this as me saying, stop making plans, live on a whim. Don't do that. Right? That's bad. But, but, what, but what we are saying is that um, there's nothing wrong with making plans, but when we plan this way, deciding an ending by yourself and predicting that future. You kind of corner yourself into an outcome, right? And you don't allow wiggle room for a guy. You don't allow for God's guidance. If you say, this is how it's going to be, this is where I'm going to end up, and that's how it's going to be, like you're predicting the future and saying, I'm not moving from this corner. This is how it's going to be. So God, you can be involved if you want, but you need to get in this corner with me. That's what we're doing here. That's what James is kind of warning against. I'll give you a little bit of a personal story here. If you're like me thinking, you're probably sitting there thinking like, Sean, how in the world can I plan if I don't know or at least have some perception of what the outcome might, might look like, right? Of course, I don't know the future, but I can set goals and take steps to achieve them. And my answer, and I think James' answer would be like, of course you can, <laughs> right? Of course you can do those things, but don't do it alone. Involve God in that process. You know, my personal story, when I was about like 20 years old, I felt the call of God on my life to get involved in ministry, right? I just felt like I was actually, I was in Kuwait, and I was, I was helping lead worship at a couple different, like, non-denominational uh, worship service, and I just felt like God saying, Sean, this is something that I want to be part of your life. So what I did from there is, you know, being a relatively new Christian, not really understanding, not probably having never read this verse before, I just said, okay, well, the corner that I'm going to get in, the corner that I'm going to attach myself to is I'm going to be a full-time youth pastor. That's going to be my goal. I like middle school students. I like high school students. God's calling me to ministry. Like, it makes sense. I'm going to be a full-time youth pastor. And I ran with that. I made plans. I had all these decisions made. I told Karina, like, this is, I'm excited about this. This is what I want to do. And everything in my life came about becoming a full-time youth pastor. 
right? When I prayed, I asked God, help me do this, God. Help me, be, help me be a youth pastor. Help me figure out what that looks like. Show me how to accomplish this goal that I've set for myself. Help me get in my corner with me. And the longer that I strive to obtain this self-determined, self-driven goal, the more frustrated and discouraged I became when things just didn't work out the way that I thought that they, that I, that they should. They weren't working out, right? And this is why James, you know, this frustration, discouragement, it's why James says our lives are like a mist, right? They're like a mist because they're fragile, right? We're only here for a short time. And I wish somebody would have came alongside of me then and said, why are you spinning your wheels here trying to accomplish a goal that you obtained without God ever really being a part of it? You know, my plans have changed a lot over the years, right, in pursuit of this goal. Like, initially, I thought I was going to go to seminary. I never went to seminary. In fact, it took me uh, kind of trial, <laughs> trial running four different colleges before I found the one that I was actually going to graduate from, um, Lancaster Bible College I graduated from. And I did an internship under a student ministries pastor that I thought was going to lead to a, to a full-time position, but that didn't pan out the way I thought it was going to. I started working and volunteering at parachurch organizations that did youth ministry. I've served on board of directors. I did youth groups. I did all kinds of things, all in the hopes of just gaining enough experiences that a church, somebody would look at me and say, you're going to be our full-time youth pastor. But long story short, this, this kind of journey that I laid out for myself, it started when I was 20 years old. I'm 33 now. How many years do you think I've spent as a full-time youth pastor? Goose egg, right? None, none. I've never been a full-time youth pastor. It didn't work out. It hasn't worked out. So in this, this quest, what I've learned is in this quest to become, to, to reach that goal, to, to become a full-time youth pastor, I left God out of that equation, right? And I forgot about the fact that my calling to ministry, the guy was broad with it. He just said, like, I want you to be a part of ministry. I forgot that that calling came from God. It wasn't something like I woke up one day, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to be in ministry. No, God is the one that initiated that and that called that out of me. And I made the mistake of trying to corner him into going along with the goal and the plan that I came up with, that I wanted. I wanted that control of God, of saying, God, I want you to help me, but I want you to do it on my terms. God's plans are bigger than that. You know, at work, I challenge my team to think big picture, right? We know like the vision statement, the mission statement of the organization. And when you're making plans, I want you to think, how does this tie into that vision statement of our organization? God has plans too, right? God has a vision. Started with Adam and Eve, went through the Old Testament into the New Testament and was fulfilled when Jesus died on the cross. And now Jesus is choosing to ask each and every one of us to be part of that vision. So you can kind of run it through that filter. Okay, this is what I think God is telling me my vision is. How does it plug into his bigger vision of winning souls to Christ and and, and joining his kingdom? Because when we plan for forever, rather than for what God has for us today, we do, we try to control that plan. And oftentimes we ignore God's vision in doing so. So the crossroads of our message today comes here. When we look at our lives, we look at the things that God calls us to and say, am I going to plan for forever and hold tightly to that vision, stay in that corner and try to get God in that corner with me? Or am I going to, am I going to uh, plan for today, the today that God intended for me as he seeks to use us and mold us and lead us for now? And to choose the latter, we have to, this is, this is your second point, we have to re- live a responsive life 
in our day-to-day. We have to live a life of responsiveness, of responsive faith, sorry. We have to live a life of responsive faith in our day-to-day. In verses 15 and 16, it says, Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So has anyone ever heard this phrase, Lord, Lord willing, right? You ever heard that? Like somebody say, like, Lord willing. I've, I've heard, I feel like I've heard a lot of like old-timey preachers say, Lord willing, I'll be back here on Sunday morning, like stuff like that. <laughs> or, or like actually on, on uh, Friday as I was walking out of work, I said goodbye to somebody, and she said, Lord, I said, I'll see you on Monday. And she said, oh, Lord willing. I was like, you know what? I'm preaching on that on Sunday. It's so great that you just said that. But um, the spirit of this phrase, I think, is found here in verse 15. Right? James is saying, instead of playing this game of trying to predict your future and painting God into a corner, why don't, we, uh, why don't we start by asking God to clue us in on his will? Right? Instead of making definitive plans based on like a guess and our ability to predict the future, ask God, like, okay, what is, what's your will for my life? Right? If, if, if you're willing to tell me that. You know, looking back on my life, like I could have saved a lot of grief and a lot of disappointment if I would have just said, if the Lord wills. I'm going to be a youth pastor. The youth pastor. There's so much freedom in that. Like, if, like that's what I want, but like if, if, if it's in your will, if that's what you want for me, because it doesn't, it doesn't paint you into that corner. It's, 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 you, you look at it and say, like, this, this could happen, but I'm still going to be flexible. I'm going to hold my plans loose enough that I, God can get in there and say, like, well, let's, let's try a different, let's try something else. Let's try it this way. It allows him to lead and mold us. There's room for open-handedness and flexibility as you work alongside of God rather than trying to direct it yourself. And it changes your perspective a lot, right? If you can say, if the Lord wills, it changes your perspective. If I look back on the past 13 years of my life trying to, you know, accomplish this goal of being a youth pastor, you know, I can look through the, the perspective of my rigid plan, right? And if I do that, my life in the past 13 years has been marked by a lot of frustration, some, some what looks like a lot of wasted time, and, and ultimately failure, right? As I haven't, in 13 years, I haven't accomplished that goal of being a, a full-time youth pastor. Or I can look back with the perspective of God's will, right? The past 13 years, I've had so many opportunities. I've met so many awesome people and had so many ex- awesome experiences as God has been able to use me in different types of ministries. I've seen and felt God working through me, working around me, doing all kinds of awesome things. You know, you know I look at, at Karina and my kids that are awesome, that God is able to ch- teach me so much each and every day. I have a great job where I get to use my giftings and leadership. I'm involved in ministry here at Daybreak. And I can look back and say, all of this, everything that I've gone through, frustrations, the being upset and, and, and not being willing to involve God in my plan necessarily, I can look back at that and say, you know, God's will was in it all along. I just didn't see it. And I'm able to look back and say, like, thank God. I can look back and say that he's prepared me for where I am today. But I can look back and say, like, everything that I went through, all of God's plans and everything that happened, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be able to stand here and do ministry with you today. All of it was preparation for right now. If I would have only started the process 13 years ago, God, if it's your will, I could have been learning those lessons all along rather than now, 13 years later, having to look back and say, oh yeah, God was there, and God was there, and God was there. 
I could have walked through that process with him and, said, and, and learned as I went and understood that there's going to be a today. And today, I'm prepared because of what happened. So if I'm able to hold my plans loose enough for that, God can better lead me. God can better mold me. God can better show me his plan is not about forever. It's not about the forever that I think it should be, but rather the today that he's led me to. So the challenge is not be so wrapped up in my forever that I can't lean on the lessons from the present. And then if we move on to verse 16, I love what James does here. Verse 16 says, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So let's, let's say for a minute, we, we ignore James' advice, right? We completely ignore it. We, we drive towards that goal, that thing that we predicted, and everything goes according to our plan, and it comes true, right? Everything happens the way we thought it was going to happen, the way that we sh- thought it should happen. We got in our corner. It worked out. What is, in that best-case scenario, what is, whatever it was, what's the, the biggest reward that you will get out of that? Right? Maybe, maybe it was your, a job that you wanted. Maybe we made some money like the businessman and James. But what is the biggest reward that you're going to get in accomplishing that self-kind of prophesized goal? And it's not that thing. Right? You've kind of thought you've got to get that all along. So the, the thing that you're striving for, that's not the biggest reward. I kind of think where James is going with this is the biggest reward that you're going to get is that you get to say, look at what I did. Right? You get to brag. Like, I was able to accomplish this. Look at all this awesome stuff that I did. And for a time, that feeling, that sense of accomplishment, it feels awesome. It feels great. Like, I was able to do that. Maybe people are recognizing you for all the hard work that you put in. It's awesome. But I would caution you that that feeling, that ability to brag, it doesn't last forever. Right? There's self-made men and women all around. And their reward, that boasting and that sense of accomplishment that comes from making it on your own, it doesn't give them the everlasting peace and happiness that we all want and we all need. But I'd submit to you that a man or a woman who is driven by God, who lives a responsive life to God's calling, trades that, and trades that self-promoting bragging for being able to say, look at what the creator of the universe was able to accomplish through me. Do you see the difference there? It's, not, it's no longer, look what I did. Look what I was able to accomplish. Now it's, look what God was able to do through me. Right? Which is better? <laughs> like I, a few years ago, a close friend of mine had passed away, and I was at, I was at his funeral with, with, with uh, somebody that's close to me, and the person that passed away, he was a believer, and the person that was with me wasn't, right? And that throughout the whole message was, uh, you know, God, was, God did this through this person's life. God did this. And, and my friend that was with me, he looked at me, he said, like, did he do anything? Right? The person that, that passed away, the, that message made it seem like our friend didn't do anything. It was all God. And I got to thinking about that. It's always stuck with me. And, I, like, drawing that parallel of which is better. Right? Is it better for me to accomplish this stuff and, and amass riches and do all this great stuff here that, that looks great on a resume or looks great according to the world? Or is it, is it better to, to say, man, at the end of my life, I can say, look at all the stuff that God chose to do in me, that God used me to do. And to me, I lean all the way on this side, where I would rush rather the creator of the universe do some awesome, amazing things inside of me and, and show that to the world than say, look, look at how much I built up my resume. Or look at this stuff that I did. 
when we make the decision to plan for now and not for yet, forever, we kind of have to, we do, we have to loosen that grip, right? Loosen that grip and that control, and we have to live according to God's timing. That's what everybody kept telling me in my pursuit of this youth pastor position. It's just not the time. It's not the time. It's not the time. Like, that's, that can be a frustrating thing, right? Like, I just want it to happen, and God, you're not being fast enough, but sometimes we just have to look. Maybe I just need to loosen my control a little bit. Loosen my control and say, God, you take the reins and help me figure this out. And have the freedom to respond the way that Jesus intended when he died for us on the cross. Because we complicate things, don't we? We complicate things so badly. Jesus said, I died on the cross. I've given you the freedom. Respond. All you have to do is respond. Give me some control and respond to what I'm calling to you. But we complicate things so much more than they need to be. Right? We, 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 as Christians, we spend so much time and energy focusing on the things that we think that we should be doing. We try to think for God and say, these are the things that I think that God thinks that I should do. Does that make sense? <laughs> these are the things that I think that God thinks that we should do. And we end up beating ourselves up when we feel like we don't do them, right? We make them up and then beat ourselves up for not doing them. We stay busy with our plan and don't take the time to slow down and say, God, help me consider what you're trying to do in my life. Help me figure this thing out of like, what does my plan look like through, the fil- through, through your filter? What does that look like? Is that the illustration that, that, that Pastor Rick kind of gave me was uh, a horse with blinders on, right? You, have you ever seen like the horses and buggies walking down the very central Pennsylvania thing? Like the horses and buggies walking down the side of the road, they always have blinders on. And the reason for the blinders is so they can stay focused on what's in front of them. They have laser focus on what's in front of them because if they see everything that's going on out here, they're probably going to get distracted and maybe even spooked, cause a, a horse and buggy accident. Nobody likes that. But we kind of tend to do the same thing with our spiritual blinders, right? We put them on. We say we're going to have laser focus. I'm going to get this task done. I'm going to get that task done. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to get my goal completed. And we have those blinders on so that we don't get distracted. And if anything does cross into our field of vision that we don't think should be there, whether it's God or not, we, we get spooked, right? The same way a horse does. Like, what am I supposed to do now? Even if it's something that God is trying to call out of us. And this is no way to live. God calls us to be confident in the fact that he's always working in us. He's always working through us. And he's always working around us. So we have to take our blinders off to look around and see him at work. Because if you walk through this life so focused on the forever, the forever that we made up instead of the today that God has for us, we miss what he's trying to do. We miss what he's trying to do in the present. And we'll miss out on some awesome moments with God. As we see more and more, when we have that that focus, that there's blinders on, the more and more distractions we see, the more and more we think of them as disruptions. And if it's God that's trying to knock on the door and interrupt us a little bit, we're kind of getting annoyed with him rather than seeing it as like, this is a divine moment where God can speak something powerful into me. And that's why it's so important to think of our plans, not just for forever, but for now. God makes the forever plans and we hold our plans loosely enough to respond to him. That's what James is calling us to. Hold your plans loosely enough that you can respond to him. Should you have plans? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Jesus had plans. Paul had plans. James, the author here, had plans. But God has plans for you. And faith is supposed to keep us open to those plans. When we respond to God, 
that's when we experience his power, his power in us. And this is something I heard a long time ago, and it always stuck with me, and that is God doesn't have to use us, right? He's God. He has infinite power. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't have to use us, but he chooses to. Right, when, when I first came to faith, that was so humbling for me. of just like, wow, the creator of the universe wants to use me. Sean Bolton, like, who am I? Wants to use me to do some just amazing things for his kingdom. And I can look back and see that, that that's happened. I'm sure all of you can too. He chooses to use me in spite of the fact that I really don't deserve it, in spite of the fact that I, he really doesn't have to. He can do whatever he wants. But when we buy into that notion, when we buy into and believe that, that God wants to use us, that he died on the cross to give the ability that he can do those things, when we buy into that and believe that, it's in these moments that often, they often become a huge part of how God can work in us, right? He can change lives. He can, he's changed my life. I'm sure he's changed a lot of you guys' lives. And he can use you to help change other people's lives. When we get real about sharing those moments, about talking to people about this is what God did in my life. This is what God's today plan for me is. That's when we can see life, life changed. That's where we can see God at work. But it takes us taking the blinders off, releasing some of that control and say, God, I'm going to get out of this corner and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do this with you. We have to remind ourselves we have to remind the people around us, God plans for the now. God plans for now, not for forever. So kind of in conclusion, I want to leave you with a question to think about as we go into our response time. You can pull your response cards out a while, but the question that I want you to think about is, are you willing to keep your plans flexible enough to join God in the mysterious ways that he works? Are you willing to keep your plans flexible enough to join God in the mysterious ways that he works, because he doesn't always work in a way that makes sense to us. He doesn't always work in a way that makes sense with the corner that we've painted ourselves in. That's what he's calling us to, though, is to loosen that grip. What does that look like? And can we be flexible enough to join God in that and see him work in and through us the way he so badly wants us to do? And I know that that can be hard. Giving up control is a scary thing, no matter what you're talking about. Right? And I think James recognizes that too because he goes on and he leaves a final thought about this. If you're struggling with that, James 4.17 says, if anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what we're supposed to do. We have to give up some of the control. Give it back to God and say, make this work. God, help me. I want to walk with you in this. That's what James is calling us to. That's what God is calling us to because he knows that that's what is best for us. He knows that's the best possible plan for us. And if we know that up here and don't transfer it to here and live it out, we're not getting God's best for us. And James says that's sin. You're falling short of what I want for you, of what I know is the best thing for you. And you know it here, you're not allowing it to go here sin. So what I want you to think, think about going into our response time, in addition to that question, is, is, what, is it that, what is it that you are holding so tightly? 
What are the plans that you are just having that control over and, and you've painted yourself into that corner and you're saying, God, I don't want you to, to take me out of it. In fact, why don't you come into this corner with me right now? What are the plans that you need to loosen your grip up a little bit on? What are the plans that you have that you need to say, God, I've just been planning for forever and I'm lo- losing out on today. I have my blinders on and I'm not looking up because I don't, I'm, I'm fearful of, of not accomplishing what I set out to do. Help me to take those blinders off so I can see the amazing things that you're doing all around me. And I want to be part of those things, God. So as the worship team comes up, they're going to play, and I would just invite you into that moment of response of saying, God, do something in me right now. Call this out of me. What are the plans that I have? What can I do to better plan for today? Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much for this message. I needed this message, God, just as as much as anyone else in this room right now, just like, God, where am I trying to control things? Where have I painted myself and you into a corner and and said, like, I'm not going to stray from this? And I ask, God, would you call those things out of me and call those things out of everyone in here this morning of just, I would encourage us to loosen our grip, to take the spiritual blinders off and say, God, where am I missing out opportunities on opportunities for you to use me, God. We're so thankful and so humbled by the fact that you choose to use us, God. You saved us, and then you want to make us part of your vision, part of your plan. That's so amazing, God, and I'm so humbled by it. And I just pray right now, your Holy Spirit would kind of just, just help us to rest in that for a little bit. Slay us with that a little bit, God, of just like you, the creator of the universe. You choose to use us. And we don't want to, we don't want to sin, God. We don't want to stop short of that. So give us the, the, the courage, Lord. Give us the, the ability, the desire to step out of that control to loosen our grip and say, God, sitting here open-handed, I just want you to take it. Get me out of this corner. Take some of that control and just help me to live and, and plan for today and not for the future, God. We don't want to miss what you're doing right now. See it and we'll be part of it. Jesus' name.